minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cachalillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Joseph Sinkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, root worker, and witch. You can find her at MsAida.com. M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A dot com. And this episode is sponsored by Ginger Glasser. And Ginger is a tarot reader. You can find her at tarotbyginger.com. And she reads tarot cards. She's an evidential medium. And she is a healer. And again, that is at tarotbyginger.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Carrie Connor. And she has written a whole bunch of books on... Marijuana, 420, how to, she has written 420 meditations, conjuring with cannabis, wake, bake, and meditate, and a few other books on cannabis. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So what made you delve into the spiritual and healing world of cannabis? Well... It all began with, no, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't use as a kid. I did like as a teenager a couple times and I have to say right away, I am allergic to it. I'm allergic to it. So when, as a kid or a teenager, young person, when I tried it, it had bad effects because I was allergic to it. As you get older, and things happen with your body, certain allergies get under control more. I was allergic to, like, everything under the sun. I used to get injections, five injections a week, for grass, trees, mold, mildew, dust. Mm -hmm. For two years, I got these shots, and it turns out really the best way to deal with allergies is just to expose yourself to whatever you're allergic to as much as possible and build up your own tolerance. I was told to never have animals or I would die. And mm-hmm. I've, I have three cats all the time <laughs> because if I don't have three cats all the time and I run into people who have cats, I have an attack so bad it'll put me in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But like I, I have to... I've learned to, if something, if you're allergic to it, you just have to keep exposing yourself to it to cut down the way it reacts. And I have all these autoimmune issues, and then I got cancer, and I had been an opiate addict without even knowing it for mm-hmm. 13 years, but I wasn't going to go back on opiates, so I decided it was time to start using cannabis for pain. Long story short. (laughs) And how did it help? It helped great. I had a kid who was working in a restaurant, so I said, I know you can get me some weed. Bring me home some weed. I've got to try this. And he said, no, Mom, I don't smoke. And I said, I know you're lying to me. Bring me some weed. I need some weed. And (laughs) it helps. And knowing that I I had gone through 13 years 
on opiates for arthritis, ankylosing, spondylitis, um, fibromyalgia. And I didn't know I was addicted. I had no idea I was addicted. This was before the opiate crisis. Mm -hmm. I think my doctor should go to jail now, but he's still out there. But I was always in pain. And I mean, you see, I can move now. Yeah. I couldn't move. I was in so much pain. I had a, I had a hundred milligram fentanyl patch on me every day and was taking all kinds of other opiates, all prescribed on top of it. And I couldn't move. I couldn't function. I was always in pain. And I said, I am so damn tired of this. And I started going to acupuncture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I bought a Groupon and I went to acupuncture <laughs> and three months later I walked back into my rheumatologist office I had quit all of those opiates cold turkey not knowing that you really shouldn't do that I got sick right. and we thought I just had the flu no that was detox <laughs> it was massive <laughs> detox I, I walked back in and I looked at him and he says well, you look great. What are you doing? And I said, I quit all of your damn meds and I started acupuncture. You're a, how bad can I swear on this? You swear. I don't care. Oh, I, I told him right off that he was a fucking asshole and I hope he rots in hell. Mm -hmm. And I have never taken an opiate again. Awesome. And I went through cancer after that. Mm -hmm. And after the cancer, I had a, what well, was breast cancer. So I had a lumpectomy and... Then I had, and I went through all that okay, but then I had a bilateral breast reduction to even things out. And I, okay, I had been a G. Wow. A G, okay, I'd been a G, and after the surgery, the doctor had said he was aggressive, and what he took out was the size of an orange. And he said, and I'm not talking a cutie, I'm talking a big, full-on size navel and i'm like okay that's all right and we had planned this ahead of time because of the way the insurance company is and everything they would not pay for me to just have all of this done at once i had to go through two separate surgeries so i had the lumpectomy and then i had the breast reduction and then i had the infection from hell mm -hmm. that almost killed me put me in the hospital my breast literally exploded several times it was terrible. That's what almost killed me. I had doctors arguing about what they were going to do with me. And at this time, you know, they've got me. I'm on dilaudid because I'm on an IV. And that's the only time it's like I did. When I was in the hospital, I took pain relievers because that's what they have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, but when I came home, <laughs> I said, give me the weed. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like still being in the hospital, dilated, they'll let you have it. I think it's like every two hours. Mm -hmm. I I could count 22 minutes exact and it would wear off. And I'm like, I'm going nuts. I thought I was going to die. I really thought I was going to die. And the doctors didn't know what was going on. I finally, I got lucky with an infectious disease doctor that uh, took my case and he found he found that they were there was actually two bacterias and one was feeding the other and the medicine they were giving me was actually making it worse because the bacteria was eating off of it. Right. And the only other case he ever found 
in his research of the same bacteria was a woman in India. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm always the 1% of hmm. the 1% of the 1% with all the weird stuff going on with me. You haven't traveled so, to India, right? Did I? Mm -hmm. No. He was from India, but I had never traveled to India. And, okay, this is where it gets really freaking weird. It is a very common bacteria in the milk ducts of cows. Mm -hmm. Oh, so maybe it came from milk. It was in the milk duct, and when they cut out the cancer, they cut that milk duct, exposing that bacteria. Oh. But they don't know why I would have it in me or mm. why this other woman had it in her. It's weird. Yes, because it's not supposed to be there. And the fact that it's in the same area where the cancer started, they're thinking that that all could somehow be connected, but mm -hmm. they don't know because this is like the stuff that never happens. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But if you go back to when I was pregnant with my twins, I was producing so much milk, the hospital called me a Guernsey and asked if I was trying to feed all of the babies in the NICU unit. I, I pumped, <laughs> I was pumping four gallons a day. So my boobs were working like a damn cow, and I ended up having a bacteria in a milk duct that is common in cows. Well, I guess that's a message with women with large breasts who are lactating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> it, it everything's possible. <laughs> So, so when you start smoking the cannabis, how how does the so cannabis? So I went back, yeah. So because of all that, uh -huh. I decided to start smoking weed, and I started smoking it simply for pain. Mm -hmm. And when you start learning how to dose yourself, and you start learning about new doses and all this other stuff, all the information that people can get now by going to a dispensary that they never had a clue of before. Nobody used to know what their THC levels were and what they were smoking. Uh -huh. You know, if you're, if, when you grow at home, that's kind of an issue because you don't know unless you test. It's like, I grow, I grow, and I just know if it's good or not. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have no idea what our THC levels are, right. and we're okay with that. You know, if, if, if it's a good grow, it's a good grow. But people never used to have that information and now we have that information and when you give me that kind of information i am the person who will be like well what happens if i do this and the first time i got way too high it was by mistake mm -hmm. i didn't mean to I, I i just didn't mean to i was in so much pain i started just massively taking on my vape and at that time <laughs> At that time, vapes were running about 35 to 40% THC. They weren't even the full 96% mm -hmm. you can get now. They weren't the good stuff, but I, I took too much. 
and I got sick. That was the first thing is I got sick and I started throwing up. But after that, after that, things got really cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, how so the next, so I've had friends tell me that they get mm-hmm. sick from smoking weed and I'm like, well, I got sick and I kept going. Right. So I, I decided to, to try and see what would happen if I purposely smoked too much. And you know what? I got sick again. And then things got really interesting. <laughs> so how do you figure out how much to smoke or, or vape? Like, um, like, is it just trial and honestly, error? Honestly, for me at this point, it is. it gets so much harder because I smoke every day. Mm-hmm. I smoke every day and I smoke all day. And I do that to keep me out of pain. Um, I have tried to take tolerance breaks. And after about three days, I I have a hard time getting out of bed because I will stiffen up so bad. And it's like, okay, so I, I started this really for medical reasons. And the medical reasons are the most important for me. So tolerance breaks just don't happen. Mm-hmm. So I try... I keep, I smoke flour most of the time. That way I know where I'm keeping my THC level is generally going to be, I I usually buy around 26%. I use my vape for when I want to have fun. Mm -hmm. So, and then, I mean, I, and I'll smoke my flour along with it. You know, I'll throw in a couple edibles too. And, and if, if I really want, I've got, um, uh, uh, tincture made with Everclear. <laughs> <laughs> so I can get there. And the reason why I have all those different things is that because of me having such a high tolerance level now, I, I need all those things if I want to have a different experience. Hmm. Do, do you think that um, the cannabis is as, is as addicting as the opioids are? No, 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 because I can, I, I, I know that people can get addicted to it. I am a person who was, I was really addicted to to cigarettes. Me too. And I I was so addicted to cigarettes that I got interviewed in college about it and I've tried everything. I mean, I was hypnotized. I was on. I think what was that one Zyban or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I did the patch. I had something they did behind my ear. I've had injections. I, I did all of this different stuff, all of these different things. I had somebody tell me that if you suck on a um, cinnamon, it would those little red hot cinnamon, mm-hmm. it would help curb your craving for nicotine. And you know what happened? I ended up having to have a damn cinnamon in my mouth every time I had a cigarette. So <laughs> they take these, this testing about, they tell you the different ways that you're addicted. If it's an oral fixation, if it's a thing to do with your hands, if it's an actual, uh, like nicotine addiction, there's like all these different ways. It's like five or six different ways you can be addicted and you can, they, they scale it. And I was like sky high off of the charts on all of them. And they're like, you're really addicted. <laughs> like, yes. This is the problem. How do I stop that? And they tried everything and nothing worked. And you know what finally worked? Mm. 
I stopped buying cigarettes. Uh, it's practical. <laughs> but, but yeah, I know, like, I, when I was addicted to cigarettes, too, it was so hard to get off. And, and now, like, my, my only addiction right now is coffee, which... Yeah, yes, mine too. I'm, 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 not going to, I'm not even going to attempt it at this point in my life to get off. I don't want to be addicted to it. <laughs> I don't want to be either, but it seems to be the lesser of the two evils of, you know what I mean? I got to function. I I worked in a, uh, a Barnes & Noble for five years. And Barnes & Noble Cafe, so you got your, your Starbucks coffee in there. So I would have it all the time. That I worked, and I only worked three days a week, so that wasn't that bad. And then our store closed, and I started writing and working from home, and now I have it every day, and I don't understand <laughs> <laughs> why I am drinking coffee every day now. But I've, I've limited myself to one cold, one iced coffee a day. I've limited myself Most to days. about five cups of coffee a day. But I went down from 10. This is, I think this is like a 32 ounce or so, you know? Yeah, 32. I, I limit myself. That's, that's, that's like four cups one. of normal coffee. So you and I are about the same. And it's filled in here with black coffee with a splash of creamer. <laughs> and there's no actual ice in my iced coffee. Right. <laughs> But it's just one. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. One 32-ounce coffee with no ice. And it's cold brew. So, so it's stronger than regular coffee. It, it, it's, yeah, we, we don't drink. We don't use it as a concentrate. We just we make the cold brew, and then we just drink it like that. And, yeah. So it, it's it's like a pot of coffee a day. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, one of the things I, I found like is that um, I mean, apparently, like I guess it's psychologically addicting. Yeah. Um, maybe I, I even that like, I I I kind of question whether it is or not because we were given so much wrong information during so the eighties, especially like when Ronald and Nancy Reagan were out there with the war on drugs, calling it a gateway drug. Now you know I think. After reading, I think now, like, I don't know how many books, 10 or 15 books on cannabis, I realized now that, like, that was a complete myth. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, he knew. I, I have, I have, I have such theories about Ronald Reagan. <laughs> I, things, we all know that things come out after the president's is over mm -hmm. you know it's like if you notice all of this weird stuff that's coming out right now in the news about how they, they, they discovered that china had a secret police station in new york and you know there's just so much weird stuff going on and it's like a whole lot of balls have been dropped but when you look back at the things that we know that reagan knew and the things that he put into play I fully believe that Reagan knew at, I mean, he did know. He knew that the Republican Party was declining in numbers. So how do you stop that? Well, you have to research all of these different things and see where they're all at. And suddenly mental health went away. Mm -hmm. 
Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that everybody who is a conservative has mental health issues. I ain't going to say that because that's not true. But we have seen a whole lot of people on the right that have issues today that would have had them institutionalized back in the 70s. Absolutely. There's, there's no denying it. And then Reagan came in, and now those people are no longer institutionalized. I think that they really knew back then what they were doing and said, we have to wipe out mental health care because if we don't, we're going to have all the people who vote for us are going to be institutionalized and our numbers are going to be even lower. Hmm. I think they knew that. I mean, we definitely know that he had a major agenda on his... The, the only wars we've had in this country have been on gay people, on black people, on Hispanic people, on women. You know, they can, everybody can sit here, oh, it's a war on Christians. Oh, it's a war on this. It's a, no. <laughs> we have all seen who the victims are. And the people who have suffered in this country the most are the ones who end up getting the most blame. And it don't make any sense. We put so much blame on black men in this country, and without black men in this country, we wouldn't even have this country. Mm. We wouldn't have this country. Black men and women built this country. It's true, it's true. And it's about damn time people started realizing that. And, you know, I, I know what I was taught in school about, ooh, the pilgrims came over on the Mayflower. That's not even true. <laughs> you know, this is what we were taught. I mean, I was in grade school in 70s and eight, early 80s. Me too. So I was, yeah, I was born in 1970. So I started first grade in 1976, and I was in junior high by 82, 83, I think it was. But we were taught, yes, pilgrims came over on the Mayflower, and everything was great. And they met the Indians, and they 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 treated them really nice, and they had this Thanksgiving, and everybody lived happily ever after. Do you really know why this country was started? We say it was about freedom of religion. Mm -hmm. This country, <laughs> this country was started partly in a big way to grow hemp. That's true. I, I've read about that, actually. Yeah. They, Britain doesn't have a whole lot of land to grow hemp on. They were getting all of their hemp from Russia. Mm -hmm. Russia's got lots of land. Russia grows lots of hemp. So they have to rely on Russia, even way back then, to get all of the hemp to make their sails for their ships to take out the Spanish Armada. Don't want to rely on Russia. So what do you do? There's new land over there. Let's go over there. Roanoke was literally set to grow hemp. The missing colony. <laughs> the missing colony was set to grow hemp. I bet you they just got them seeds messed up and they were growing the good shit. They got high and said, fuck this and left. <laughs> Don't go hang out with the Indians, man. Right? <laughs> but they were literally sent there to grow right. hemp. Jamestown, they came over to grow hemp. So you got all of these people got over, sent over, set up these colonies, they're growing hemp, and they're taking the hemp, they're cutting it down, and they are shipping it back to Britain. 
Britain is then processing the hemp and they are making it into materials and then they are making the materials into things and they they are selling it back to the colonies. The colonies aren't allowed to process the hemp. Mm -hmm. They're not allowed to make their own products from it. They have to send it over and then they get the final products that they have to then buy from England. So people from other countries that aren't from England start coming over and they're joining in and they're like, well, why are you guys sending your hemp over? We've got our own guild. We just make all of the stuff here ourselves. And they're like, well, we can't do that. And they're like, and they said, you know what? Maybe we should do that too. One of the first revolutionary acts in the United States of America that we know today was over hemp. (laughs) They said, you know what? We're not going to send this to you anymore. We're going to process it here ourselves. And we're going to join these guilds that are made up of people from Norway and Holland and wherever. It was a bunch of Northern Europeans that had come over and were doing the same thing. So they joined in with them and the crown is like, Hmm. that's what was a big part of the whole American Revolution. And we are not taught that. That's true. It was over weed. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I really, I, I, it, it floors me that we will hide that because that's, that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. That's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that George Washington had two diaries for his two separate gardens, one for his hemp and one for his cannabis. Yeah, he was also a but, moonshiner too. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the nineteen twenties hit. People don't even understand. Weed has not been illegal in this country for even a hundred years yet. Right, hasn't even been a hundred years, and I really hope it doesn't make it to a hundred years. But see, I don't. I don't. I just, I myself very seldom use the word marijuana. Mm-hmm. And the reason I don't use the word marijuana is because Henry Asingler used the word marijuana. And the DuPont family and the Rockefeller family and the Hearst families, mm-hmm. they all use the word marijuana. And they use the word marijuana when they fought their way into positions with the Republican Party, with major donations, and went before Congress and said, we need to ban marijuana because that way we can control the blacks and the Hispanic people that are coming into our country Then they're now free and we need a way to control these people. So we're going to outlaw marijuana because that means we can then lock them up. And people in Congress says, yeah, I see it's been working in all these little towns in Texas. And they're like, yes, let's do this. And they said, okay, great. And they passed the Marijuana Tax Act, making it really impossible for people to have marijuana. And then somebody said, y'all know you just banned hemp? And they're like, no, we banned marijuana. And they said, no, no, no. You just banned hemp and cannabis. The number four ingredient in pharmaceuticals in the United States of America. 
And Congress didn't know they did it because Congress didn't know <coughs> that hemp, cannabis, and marijuana are all the same damn plant. <laughs> That's crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. <coughs> and as crazy as that is, we know that that crap still hasn't changed because you hear all the time about, oh, the 500-page bill that just got slapped down in front of us that they want us to vote on in two hours that nobody's going to have a chance to read and get educated on. That is done on purpose when people want to put bullshit through and they've been doing it for at least a 100 years. Hmm. And we know they've been doing it and yet we're still letting Congress get away with this shit. It's terrible. They did it to ban cannabis. And because of that, look how many people's lives have suffered. I will never, ever forget the fact that I am a white woman who can smoke weed. I can write about weed. I can do all of these things that a black man would have been put in jail for and still can be in some states. And that's ridiculous. That is absolutely asininely ridiculous. And I'm, I honestly, I'm so pissed that Biden hasn't, hasn't had it taken off of the Controlled Substance Act yet. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Honestly, I think they're waiting. I think they're waiting to see if they're going to need it for the election. Mm hmm. Because what what bigger play can you give? Is, is the seriously? If, if if that is one thing he knows he can have taken care of at yeah. the before the election. If things are looking bad, all he has to do is say, you know what? Let's legalize it, and the numbers are going to change because it doesn't. There, 70% of Americans think it should be legal. Mm -hmm. Including, in, including in red now. states. Even in, in the red, red states. Well, the, yeah, because you know what? They can red grow it. it they grow it, yes. Oh, and it's like, it, it, it's, I, I think, I think it's being used once again as a political pawn. Yeah, absolutely. It probably is. So, so what, so what took you from the, the medical perspective? Over to the spiritual, you know. I've read a lot about, you know, and, and I didn't know about this until like the last since I've been doing the podcast about, mm -hmm. you know, how cannabis has been used for, I don't know, estimate five thousand years now in spiritual practices. It was used for yeah. incense. It was used for um, meditation. The, the mm -hmm. sadhus used it in India. I yes. mean, it was used and everywhere for for spiritual past. But but yet yeah, somehow. How did I not know that? <laughs> because, I mean, think about it. How did you not know that? Well, because people don't want you to. Yeah. People don't want you to. If, see here, I'm going to go again. So, <laughs> Go for it. I have nothing against Christianity. I have a whole lot against Christians who do not practice it the way they should. Mm -hmm. That being said, Christianity likes to make you believe that you need to have a intimary or a, a person between you and God. 
particularly if you are of the Catholic faith. You are not supposed to just talk to God. You are not supposed to have that personal relationship with God. You are supposed to have the priest, and you're supposed to have the saints, and you're supposed to have all these other, but God's the big guy. He's a big guy, and if you talk to God, you used to get burned at the stake for that. That was heresy. If you heard God talking back, they killed you for it. That was a bad thing. Joan of Arc talked to God all the time. Whoosh! He went up in flames because of it. They did not like that. So you had one religion off in the East, or I won't even say religion, but the way they were back then, their practices, their daily practices were to eat these seeds and to smoke this weed and to drink this drink, and then they could meet with the gods on a different plane. Mm-hmm. So you got, here's your plane, here's the God's plane, you do all the good stuff, and you're on the same plane. Mm-hmm. Christianity doesn't want you to know you can do that. That goes against everything they believe. So when we control the religions and we control the laws, we control whether or not people have a full spiritual life. You know, we marketing tells you that to feel complete, you have to have this kind of hair, this kind of car, these kind of clothes, you know, all of that stuff. We are programmed to think what we need to be happy is all this other stuff. And what we need to be happy is to get away from all of that stuff and go hug a fucking tree high as a kite. Right. Because hugging a tree high as a kite is going to bring you so much more joy and so much just, the feeling is amazing. It's pure joy. It's not, oh, look, I got this new car that in five months is going to break down and give me a headache and all this other crap. All of that other stuff comes with baggage, whether you realize it or not. It all comes with all these other problems. When you're out hugging the fucking tree, there's nothing else but you and the fucking tree. When I was a kid in 1977, my brother took me, my older brother took me and my younger brother to the Genesee Theater in Waukegan, Illinois to see this movie that was coming out called Star Wars. Mm Mm-hmm. And in this movie, they started talking about this thing called the Force. And for the first time in my short seven years, I had a name for what that thing was that I always felt a connection to. When I would go running through the five acres of land we had that would be covered in dandelions, and I'm just out there butt naked running around in the the dandelions all the time with my dog. My parents should have known I was going to be pagan. But there was this feeling, there was this connection with everything. And then I saw Star Wars, and they called it the Force. Mm -hmm. So for years as a little kid, I thought, that's what it is. It's the Force. You can feel that life energy that flows through everything when you try and as little kids we know that but as we get older we lose it 
we totally lose that. And when you're high as a kite, (laughs) yeah, when you're high as a kite, hugging that tree, that comes back. And you can feel all of that around you. And then you realize that this, this is success. This is happiness. This other stuff, this is just stuff. Hmm. Yeah. And one, I believe, you know, with, along with the ability to connect, I think, at a spiritual level, it also gives us an ability to connect with each other because you're never going to see two stone people fight. No, no. It's just, it. I can't ever say I have. And I mean, when I was when I was in high school, while I did not get stoned, I was the one who drove everybody home from the parties. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my, my boyfriend at the time was like the biggest stoner in the town. But I was the one who was always the safe, responsible one who would get everybody home. And I mean, even their parents, when their parents were drunk, they would call me because they knew Carrie was the one to call to get people home. Mm-hmm. Stone people do not fight. Stone people laugh. They hug. They find the strangest connections in the strangest ways. And sometimes it might even just be something as weird as, and you see that beam of light? Touching both of us, bro. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and are, if people connect, it makes it, again, it takes away their ability to control us. I have offered every, I think every, yeah, every Republican I can think of that has run for a local office around here. Mm-hmm. I have offered them the opportunity to come to my home, to sit out in my, my labyrinth. Cause we run it. Technically we're a church. Mm-hmm. We are a pagan church. So we have a spiral labyrinth in the backyard nice. and I have offered them to come out, walk the labyrinth and I will get them high off their ass and let them experience it and see what they think then. And not one of them will take me up on it. They should. They should. They should. Because just the fact that they're going to sit here and run it down when I know half of them probably smoking anyway, but they're not going to say so in public. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but if you're going to knock something down, at least know what the hell you're knocking down. Don't be the Congress of 1930 or 1927, 1929, whatever year it was, because I can't remember mm-hmm. now. But, <laughs> and just be ignorant. Educate yourself. I am so, I grew up in an education system where everything was about memorization. Me too. And I always We're about hated the same that. age. Yeah. And, you know, I was excellent at it. I could memorize anything. And I don't anymore. And I don't anymore because now I know I don't have to. All I have to know in life is how to find information. That's all I have to know. I don't have to know the information. I just have to know how to find the information I need. And if we started teaching people that, <laughs> wow, what a world it would be. Um, fairness doctrine. I want the fairness doctrine back too. What's that? The fairness doctrine got rid of by, uh, was that Reagan who got rid of it? It might've been Reagan too. Was when it was about equal sides. You had to give, Fox News wouldn't be able to exist. 
news maps wouldn't be able to exist because, or they'd be able to exist, but they would have to very much say that they were only commentary. Right. That they are not, they, they always focus on, we're news. They don't focus on the fact that, no, you're not, you're news commentary. Fairness Doctrine said, you have to give both sides of the story. So if you, and equal time. So if you were going to have one candidate on your morning show, you had to give that same amount of time to the other candidate on your morning show. So for all that you had to present both sides, you literally just had to present both sides so people could use their brains and figure out what side they believed. Mm-hmm. Instead of having the talking head sit there and just give their side of the story so you never even hear the other side and you automatically just believe this side. I think the suit against Fox News is going to be... I haven't watched the news today, so I don't know if anything's happened, but I know that they were on a delay because apparently there might be a a, uh, a plea deal or a plea agreement. Not a plea deal. What is it? A bargain thingy in place. Mm-hmm. They may have come to an agreement. But I haven't watched the news this morning, so I don't know what's going on. But I am really hoping that this judge orders Fox News and all of the hosts who participated in the lies and cover-up to say every day at the beginning of their broadcast for the next four years, since we know they'd lied for at least four years, but starting off that, we lied about the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Trump lost. Dominion machines were never hacked. I think they should have to say it over and over and over so that people understand they were lied to. They were lied to. And they need to learn to accept we have been lied to over and over and over and over. I almost think at this point that one of the biggest differences between the political parties is no longer about taxes. It hasn't been about taxes for so long, it's ridiculous. I think at this point, it's more about who knows the government's been lying (laughs) and who's still willing to believe what certain members of it say. Hmm. It's sad. It is just sad. We have been lied to so much. I, I do like seeing some of the new people that we have in Congress, but we still we need to make so many new rules. And the people that are there are never going to pass the rules that we need made. No, they're not. They have their own interests and greed. Yeah, we we need term limits, and and Absolutely. I hate to say it, but I totally agree if, with that. Yeah, if we're not going to do term limits, then we need to do age limits. And I don't even like to say that, but you know what? I took care of my elderly parents, Me too. and my dad thought he was fine. He thought he was fine, and you know what? He would fall, and he would get hurt, and he would have stroke after stroke after stroke. And I'm like, you can't drive a car. And he's like, yes, I can. And I'm like, you're going to kill somebody. If it's not you, you're going to kill somebody. You could kill a family. You could kill 
a baby if you have a stroke while you're on the road. Because he'd already had like six strokes and he still wanted to drive. Mm -hmm. Like, no, no. So I know, and, and this is at 75. And he thought he was completely fine. I understand that when you get old, it's hard to fight that. I think, personally, I would love to see Trump's children all arrested for elder needle neglect. Because I'll tell you what, as much as I do not like that man, if I had ever treated my father and put my father out in the spotlight and let him do the things that he thought were okay and tried to run, you know, do the things that Trump did at his age with his craziness, they would have locked me up. Mm -hmm. They would have locked me up saying, how are you letting this elderly man with dementia do all of this? Are you crazy? I, I think his, his kids are, are horrible people because they have to know their dad is unwell. Mm -hmm. They have to know he is unwell. And instead of getting him help, they are feeding into his delusions. I find that disgusting, even for him. I mean, that's just gross. So how about this? Let's say Congress goes into a vote. Like, I guess now they're getting ready to vote on this debt ceiling thing. Before they vote, or before they even start talking, let's just have them all sit down and smoke some weed. <laughs> and then vote. Do you think we would end I'm up reading. with a, we, do you think we would end up with more sane decisions being made by Congress if you would just all just sit down and yes. smoke a J together? It's, it's, I think that when, if you are stoned, it's very difficult, especially if you're stoned off of like something that's a really good strong indica that gives you some massive couch lock. You, you it, it's so hard to argue. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard to argue. And I mean, you can be passionate, but it's a different type of passionate. And it's not like the, I'm so right. right. <laughs> it's, it, it just, it opens your mind. Mm -hmm. It opens your mind. And I, I like to say that it, it brings down the walls. And it doesn't just bring down the walls around you. It brings down the walls inside of you. I think that's why a lot of people don't like weed. They don't it gives, want it to gives them a different perspective too. Sometimes you'll have insights. Not, Some of the insights might not be pleasant. That's why people get a little paranoid. Exactly. But you need to have those insights in order to deal with your own trauma Should, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yes. Um if 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 you get high and you have a real bad experience because say it it, it you remember something. It brings up some sort of a trauma of some sort. You're not necessarily having a bad high experience. No. You're having a learning it's high It's an opportunity experience. to let go of that shit. It's, yeah, it's, it's something to face it. It came up now for a reason. And when it comes up, fucking deal with it. <laughs> you just deal with it. And I think that's what a lot of people are scared when they do get high and they're like, oh, I don't like the way it made me feel. I hear that. The number one thing is I don't like the way it made me mm -hmm. feel. Okay. How did it make you feel that you didn't like? It made them scared. 
That's always what it is. It, it, it makes, makes them, them feel fear because or sad. Had, yeah, because they've had these walls for so long that when they come crashing down, they don't know what to do. That protection is like suddenly gone and they get this glimpse and that that is, that's scary. So no, I don't like that feeling. It's vulnerable. And we've been, if there's one thing we are taught as Americans, vulnerability is a terrible thing to be. No, it's not. <laughs> but that's what they teach us. I know, we need it. We need We that. are so taught that that is like one of the, just one of the worst things you can be is you should never be vulnerable, never. But that is when you go out and you huck the, the, the tree and all of the shit goes away and you can be vulnerable hugging that tree who's going to hold you there in place. And you can start to deal with that stuff. I need a drink. We, I would love to see people to just say they're going to take one day, just one day, and put everything else aside and just go sit outside. Take, take your little lunch, your picnic lunch, take your iced coffee and sit outside for a day with nothing else. Nothing else. You take your weed. You can take some food, some water, mm -hmm. but don't take your phone. Don't, don't take anything else. Just yourself, a blankie if you want to sit on it, you know, make yourself comfortable, but just sit out there for the day and listen and feel and appreciate. And it's such a different world. Than this normal crap, which really isn't normal. The other, which isn't normal. The it's other existence is normal. Consider as normal is so insane. It really is insane what we put ourselves through. I mean, there used to be the joke about uh, guys who worked nine to five and had to start off the day by putting a noose around their neck mm -hmm. with the tie. Isn't that exactly what we do every day? Yeah. Every day that we wake up and we're not doing what makes us actually happy, we're, we're just, and I tell you, I know I get a lot of this. It's not just from the weed. It's I've had those near death experiences. Me too. I've had one. And it's like, I don't, I don't want other people to have to have it that bad before they realize they can have it that good. Mm -hmm. But we don't learn from other people too often, you know, that sucks too. Yeah. So what are some of the strains and techniques that you talk about in your book? Like, like 420 meditation, like are, are specific strains that work better? Is there, is there mantras that people use, breathing techniques, things like that? Breathing is, is huge. Breathing is huge. Um, when we don't pay attention to our breath, and when you do pay attention to how you're breathing, you realize, well, my breathing is kind of messed up. <laughs> It's messed um, up all day long until you sit down and pay attention is. to it. Exactly, because we just, we take it for granted. We just take it for granted. Our lungs are doing what they're supposed to do and we're alive. So we, we think everything's going good. But when you take the time and you actually start focusing on your breath, and I always think before you, you make any type of a change, 
pay attention to what you're doing first. So mm-hmm. you know what you're doing. So you know what to change. Because it's like some people just sit down, okay, I'm going to start with my <gasps> inhale and count to four. Before you do that, just just pay attention to your normal breath. See what it's like. See how you feel. It's the same thing with getting high. Before you get high, sit there. How do I feel? What What's off? What's hurting? What's, what, what's going on in my brain? Acknowledge where you are at in the present so you know what changes occur. So when you do start that deep breathing, you can really notice the difference. And because I like to, it's like I'll do the deep breathing first. And then I'll add in the weed. So when I, you know, I'll inhale, (laughs) Mm -hmm. hold, and exhale. And then, you know, a couple more breaths and then do another hit the same way. Um, Strains have become, there's so many strains available now. (laughs) It's, it's, And it's hard to find certain ones in certain places. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a friend who she's at a dispensary now. We were talking about, I have not seen alien rock candy in years. She's like, they don't get it at her dispensary. I don't, I don't remember seeing it since before the pandemic. Why? Why is there no alien rock candy in Northern Illinois? No clue, but I can't get it anywhere. It's one of my favorites for um, a really good high. Hmm. That works really well with me, and I keep Northern Lights in my vape. Mm-hmm. My vape will always be Northern Lights, unless I can find you know an Alien Rock candy vape. But those are my two favorites. Um, anything that ends with Kush is generally good for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, gee. But it, it, yeah, it, it just really depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Like, because of my allergies, anything, um, that has the pine scent to it, you got it. I have to pay attention to terpenes because that pine really triggers my asthma. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to ever have anything that has a real piney scent to it because I'm not going to enjoy it. Um, I, I prefer, well, if it's citrusy, I like those a lot, generally. But, so I have to pay attention to things like that, too. And it's so, and that, different people, it, it's so weird how, I mean, you, it's like, you can almost customize now. Because mm-hmm. there's so many choices, you can really find, depending on what you want. It's like, if I, if I wanna, if I wanna dance, then I, I, I use usually a sativa, or I get a sativa dominant hybrid and I will alternate between the sativa and the indica <laughs> because that gives you a really groovy high, but energy at the same time. There's so much more you can do now with the strains being so many different ones. It's just, it's, you got to experiment. Everything is about experimenting and finding out what works for you. But I always say, too, you got to go slow and low. Slow and low, and every step along the way, feel how it affects you. I was very, very upset when Illinois went wreck because I had some friends who had 
only smoked flour one time and it was like an 18% flour. They went into the dispensary and told the people at the dispensary that they, they wanted something to try and they sold them a 76% vape. Wow. That sh never should have been a suggestion for people who have only been high once. And they told them this. Mm -hmm. That yeah, they, they'd been high one time and they wanted to try something and they were sold a 76% vape. And there were like four or five of them. They went home. They were all smoking off of the vape, not knowing what they were doing. And they all ended up in the ER because they all got sick and scared and paranoid and all ended up in the ER. No person should start with a vape. Nobody. Ever. That is way too potent. That's like taking somebody who's never been on an opioid whatsoever and slapping a hundred milligram patch on them. Mm -hmm. Don't do that shit. You have to start with lower stuff. See how it feels to you. And then you can add more and see how that feels. And then you can add more. Try something a little stronger. But you need to spend the time to experience the changes that are taking place to begin with. Because if you're not doing that, then you're going from something really, you know, you're going from one state to another state really fast. And you're missing all of the in-between changes, which makes it more of a shock. Mm. And I, I felt terrible that that happened to him. I'm like, that, that, no dispensary should be doing that. That is irresponsible selling and not taking care of your 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 customers. Right. Hmm. How about set and setting? Is that something that you use? Like it's popular yeah. in, with psychedelics, and some people I know apply also to the use of cannabis. I I if I'm going to use it for spiritual purposes, it makes a big difference. And part of the reason why the set makes a difference for me is because I use it so much, my brain needs to be told, okay, we've been dealing with pain now. Look at all of these things around you and notice that we're going to do something different. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're almost like triggers. So I put on certain music. Um if possible floating in the hot tub. That is my favorite floating in the hot tub underneath the you know at that night put the purple lights on and I got my music going on my my sono speaker. So if I'm outside and in the hot tub that's great, but if I'm inside uh, I do have a meditation room downstairs but I'm not using it right now because my granddaughters are using it for their TV. <laughs> but, but if I'm in my room, I have um, candles that hang from my bed above my bed so I can have the candles lit and they hang down. I put on my music. Um, and that helps. Oh, and, and incense. I usually light um, my Ganesh incense. That's my favorite one. And all of those things tell my mind Okay, now we're going to switch and we're going to do this. I 
I know that I am, I'm sure I have ADHD, though I've never been diagnosed with it. My brain goes constantly in 5,000 different directions all the time. So I have to very much, and it was because of weed that I learned this, tell my brain, okay, we're going to do this now. So that my brain can focus long enough to do it. I'm like that meme that says, you know, when you go to do the laundry and then you notice that the cat's bowl is empty and so you feed that and then you notice that that needs to be filled up because of the, and you keep doing all this stuff and nothing ever gets completely done. Mm -hmm. That's me. So I have to tell my brain, it's the same thing when I'm writing. When I write, I get high. I have to get high. I put on certain music, depending on what I'm writing. My music goes along with what I'm writing somehow. And I use my vape. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I write. And I know I have times where I will write something. And then I will go back the next day and I will read what I wrote. I've got no recollection of actually writing it. Mm -hmm. I've done that so many times. It's like, I know I was typing and right. I know I had this general idea, but I will go back sometimes and read something. And I'm like, damn, I'm good. That's really <laughs> cool. It's almost like you're channeling it. <laughs> you know, there has been a few times where I'm just like, damn, that was good. I'm better than I thought I was. And I do. Yes. I do know that I, I do channel a bit of writing. Um, when I was working on, oh, I don't even remember which one it was. I very much felt I was channeling an editor mm -hmm. as well. And I would get like this, no, don't use that word. And it, it was just, it was like so weird because I haven't had that before. And then I'd be like, okay, wait, no, I can't use that word. And I'd go back and I'd have to find a different word. And I, I had sent in with my manuscript and I sent it to my editor. I'm like, this one was different. This one was really different because there was like an editor on, on one shoulder the whole time telling me what to change and this, that, and everything. And when they came back, they said, yeah, this one needed the least amount of editing. I mean, they had like half a dozen edits for me to make and that was it. Hmm. So I'm like, whoever the editor was, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is weird when you read something later and it's like, I really said that. Huh. I'm good. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you think that, that cannabis helps people with neuroplasticity? Like it helps the brain, you know, look at things from different perspectives and just, it just creates that it, it's able to mold things in different ways I, that wouldn't be able to without the help of cannabis. I, in some ways, yes. Um, because I, I feel that it, it really helps us connect to our conscious self, our higher conscious self more. And when you can kind of like step back and at yourself a different viewpoint. And cannabis helps you do that. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to do it a lot of times as, you know, people go to therapy specifically to learn how to do that. 
and and cannabis just kind of says, okay, here you are. This is you. What do you think? I think that if they started using cannabis with therapy, it would be, that's probably why they don't do it. Mm. I mean, it would be so much more successful. They do do it, actually. Some places in Colorado, yeah. I've interviewed some people that well, do yeah. cannabis. But I mean, I'm sure it's why it's not a really huge common thing, because if, if, if you use cannabis and therapy and you actually help your patients heal, they don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard to find people that actually want to heal people and not just treat them. There's money in treating. There's not, there isn't money in healing. That's true. That's why, you know, that's, I don't think they will ever, ever really come up with a cure for cancer. There's no motivation. There's no motivation to come up with a cure for cancer. We, we have proven, we have proven as a nation without a doubt that human lives do not matter. Mm -hmm. There, there's no denying after the whole pandemic thing that as a society, Americans don't give a shit about their neighbors. Sadly, that's a fact. We have shown that. If we could change that mentality to where people did give a shit about their neighbor, if we could do things, you know, it was Nixon who made healthcare a for profit industry. Do you think cannabis people, could be something to help people actually care about other people though? Like, I think it yeah. could because it, it, oh, yeah. it, it generates a feeling of love and kindness. It does. And once, once you, once you learn how to look at yourself better and you can change those things inside of you, guess what you stop doing? You stop projecting all of your shit onto other people. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people that are out there hating on other people are doing it simply because they've got their own shit they don't want to deal with. If they dealt with their own shit, then they wouldn't even want to fuck with the other people anymore. That's so, true. yeah, it, I think it would make huge, <laughs> huge differences. Have you ever used it as a psychedelic? Like, I, I'm reading a book now like, where it talks about, you know, it's, it's similar to sentence setting. Like, you wear a blindfold, you smoke a certain strain, listen to certain music, and, and, and use it that way. I've, I've done that. Um, all it, what it does is it, I, I just basically go in my little bubble and mm -hmm. meet whoever's going to show up. But I do have, I have, um, night mask blindfold thingies that I use. Um, but I would do that if I'm not going to light my candles. Uh -huh. <laughs> right. Yeah. We have candles. It's not going to make sense anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but I I do that too. It's 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 interesting to cut off certain senses because it makes the other ones work more. Right. Um I have hearing issues. I was an 80s kid, you know. I mean, 
Rock and roll. Boxes, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know an 80s kid that doesn't have hearing issues at this point. But when I am high outside, the first thing I'll notice is that my hearing gets so much better. And I, I will just sit there and close my eyes and the things I can hear, the different birds all over the place, the squirrel over there, the neighbor three houses down with their chickens or whatever. And it, it's it's kind of just fun to experiment with that and see how you can make your other senses. And I, I really think that cannabis makes them stronger anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you do throw on a blindfold and you have, I mean, if you're sitting outside even at night, you have on a blindfold, so it's really dark. The things you can smell. Uh, you know, how you get that smell before and after rain. People generally will notice that. But if you're sitting outside at night, I mean, there are times where I've sat out on the deck and I can smell the raccoon or the possum that's coming up behind me. And you don't normally, you wouldn't normally smell them until they're much closer, but you can actually really get your senses where they're so heightened. And it's really, it's cool. It's so much fun. Um, I like doing it. My, my thing, I have grapes. I'll get a multi-pack of grapes, pull all the different grapes off and put them all mixed in a bowl together. You throw on that blindfold. You get stoned and you start eating those grapes and you learn to distinguish the different textures, the different flavors, just the difference between when you first bite into the grape, the, the skin. Is it softer? Is it crisper? All these different things. And it teaches you appreciation because you really get to know what it is you're participating in if it's if it's with eating or if it's with smelling this or that and it's 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 just awesome wow it's almost like we've we've come so far removed from our own human experience oh yeah what we consider to be the human experience is anything but the human experience we try to keep ourselves out of nature as much as possible Nature is the enemy. We consider nature to be an enemy. I mean, look at all the things we do to it. We destroy it on a daily basis. We got we got neighbors out here that are always shooting the coyotes. And you know what happens when you, you start shooting coyotes? The mamas have bigger litters. Hmm. Nature, that, as crazy as it is, life finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> that line from Jurassic Park yeah. is it, it's so true life finds a way and we keep trying to separate ourselves from it instead of just living it hmm. I had to think there, there's a, a, a sound that's going around on uh, Instagram right now is one of the big sounds from, I think, I don't know who it came from, but I think it's originally from somebody's TED Talk that says 7 billion people need to change their definition of success. It's not, not waking up in the morning to have a billion dollars. It's waking up in the morning and being happy. Why else are we here? Are we... 
People think that we are really here to get up in the morning and go work nine to five and be miserable and to, you know, have all of this, you know, crap going on and to eat food that's poisoning us and to breathe air that's poisoning. Really? This is what we're supposed to be here for? I don't buy that. <laughs> mm. I don't buy that. If this is what we are supposed to be here for, bad idea. <laughs> bad, bad, bad idea. I agree. I, I you completely know, agree. We always laugh that every horror movie begins with what somebody thought would be a good idea. This is a horror movie. This is a horror. We have so many people at this point, and I will gladly admit, I am one of them. <laughs> if there really is a heaven and a hell, and there are certain people on this planet that are going to go to that heaven, I will take hell. <laughs> no more of this. I, I still kind of hope the theory that this is all a video game might be true. I'm holding out for the video game theory at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for the aliens to show up. Because if this is really what life is supposed to be, th this is, this sucks. This sucks. What we're doing is terrible. I, I can't believe that this is what it's, no. I can't believe that. We certainly especially, become distracted from yeah, what is real. When I go outside and hug the fucking tree. Right. <laughs> you know, that feeling, that is why we are here. This other crap, wow. You know, we always sit here and talk about how we need to go out and tame the savages and fix the tribes and introduce them to civilization and all of this other stuff. And you know what? Third world countries really have some advantages that mm -hmm. they really have no idea they have. It reminds me of a line. I used to watch this um, show called Black Sails. It's about pirates and they have yes. they enter on mm -hmm. Nassau Island. And he goes and he says something like, It's not the British and the Spanish that are a threat. It's civilization. Yes. And that's such a true, profound statement that civilization yep. is the threat to humanity. Yeah. We have really screwed things up. We have screwed things up. Society is not... The focus of society at this point is not caring for one another. The focus of society at this point is trying to tear each other down. Yeah. All the time. That that's I mean when you look at what happened that's literally what it is. It's all about tearing each other down. I'll tell you what, I when they were doing the Speaker of the House election, I have never been more pissed at Democrats in my entire life. And I vote Democrat. And what I watched was sickening because Democrats knew they were not going to win the seat hmm. or win the, 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 the speaker of the house. We know that not going to happen. Going to Kevin. We all know this. 
one vote for the Democrats to vote and say, this is our guy. One vote. That's okay. For them to repeatedly do it and to allow the people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Lowen Bobarts and the Matt Gates to have the control and to be able to call the shots and to hold out their votes. All the Democrats had to do was turn around and say, well, we understand that we are not going to win this election. We cannot be the Speaker of the House. That is going to go to Kevin. We get this. All they had to do was put their support behind them. And yet, they wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting here screaming at the TV set, not only are the Republicans giving all of the control to the holdouts, but the Democrats did too. Right. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You did one nice vote of show of support. Now throw all of that weight behind Kevin and leave the psychos out in the cold with no control. Mm-hmm. And instead, they voted over and over again to give the holdouts more power. And I just sat there banging my head against the table because if they couldn't figure out then that they needed to work together to not let the extremists have control, they're never going to learn it. I know. They're never going to learn it because that opportunity was so smack dab in front of them over and over and over and they never once caught it. Hmm. I guarantee you, had I been (laughs) in that room, it would not have worked out that way. (laughs) I'm voting for you then for president. I seriously, I, I have... I have thought about it more and more. I used to think about it when I was a kid. And my parents told me that, you know, you had to be this perfect person and you had to have straight A's and you had to do this and you could never get any trouble to be an elected member of our government. I grew up believing that. As far as I grew up believing. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I grew up believing is you had to be this perfect person to be in there. And now... I'm like, I, I don't like to do this. I really hate to do this. I am goddamn smart. And I know I am. And I didn't realize really for a long time, honestly, how much smarter I am than a lot of people. And I hate saying that because people are always like, oh, you're so smart. I am a, the person who scores 99th percentile across the boards on all of their tests. I, as Babs, you know, all, all those, what we took back in the day, mm-hmm. all of those things, top scores. Always. I was recruited by the military. I did not join, but they were heavily tried to recruit me several times throughout my college life and stuff. And I'm like, no, <laughs> but I know that I am smart and I was brainwashed by people who believed the wrong things. To thinking I wouldn't be able to do certain things with my life, partly because I was female. 
And now I know that had I ever applied myself to do this before, I probably would have been the first female president. There are so many idiots in Congress. It's disgusting. I think at this we need a simple test. If you don't even know freaking anatomy and thinking that you can swallow a camera to check on a baby, you don't believe belong in Congress. <laughs> you know, some of the stuff these people come up with, they're idiots. And we have put them in positions of leadership. It's horrible. It is horrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. You know, like, like that's one of the things too. I used to think like, well, I'll just vote. Well, I don't vote anymore. I don't have, you know, I don't really think you give us an actual choice, so I don't bother. But it's getting to that point. I I completely understand that now. But um, you know, I would always think like, well, I'm going to vote for the smartest person. I'm not going to vote for a party person. I want the smartest person to lead. Yep. You know, I don't want the somebody I like because I agree with their views. I want the smartest person. But, but people don't vote that way. They... No. I want the smartest person because the smartest person understands that you have to make concessions. And the smartest person understands how to negotiate. And you know who was a really smart person and really got done dirty was Liz Cheney. Mm -hmm. I will say I do not agree at all with her political stance on pretty much anything. But she is smart, and she was willing to say what is right and what is wrong. I don't have a whole lot of respect for m very many Republicans. Yeah. I just don't at this point. I don't and like her father, though. I no, I sure don't. Guy. Don't like him at all. And I'll tell one other who I, I don't agree with anything he says, but I do have an ounce of respect for him is um, Rubio. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I have respect for him is because when those kids that were in that terrible shooting called for that meeting, he was the only elected representative that would show up on TV with them. Even though he didn't agree with what they were saying and they didn't agree with him, he was the only one who gave them enough respect to show up. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's just, it is sad. And I'll tell you what, that's just it too. If they all went out and got stoned together, they would realize that they had been assholes. Mm -hmm. Because the first thing you realize when you get stoned is all the asshole shit you did. <laughs> that's why you get paranoid. <laughs> that's why you get paranoid. Exactly. Oh my God, I did that shit. And then you have to learn to get past it. And for those people who, yeah, I had a bit that experience, so I'm never going to get stoned again. You knocked on the door. You knocked on the door, and it opened. Mm -hmm. You have the choice now, and you you can you can let it shut, and you can go on living your life and putting all of the wrong things as priorities, and think you're doing wonderful, and or you can you know go and knock again, and this time walk through the door and see what happens. Yeah. Wow. So um, this has been a great interview. We have to kind of wrap it up. Um, but before we do, though, uh, yeah. <laughs> where is the best place for my listeners to find you and to get your books? My website has links to everything, and it's carryconnor.com. And it's I'm going to spell it because it's also weird. It's K-E 
R-R-I-C-O-N-N-O-R.com. Because nobody spells their name like Carrie. And Connor's usually with an E. <laughs> well, I'll put the link so, to your website in the notes yeah. of this episode so people can find you. I also saw that you also have like autograph books and things like that. Yes, I have my, you can, through my website, you can find my Instagram, my TikTok, which I don't, I, TikTok is just, is going to die, unfortunately. But uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, 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 email, um, my Etsy site is on there. Uh, we have stuff on there about the Gathering Grove. That's our, our church is the Gathering Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's cool that we are now officially a, we're a pagan church. That we're a 501c3 cool. federally recognized, <laughs> don't pay taxes church. Great. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> a long time coming. Fantastic. Been doing this for 20 years and we finally decided to take it public awesome. into a church a few years ago. So. So this is great. I'd love to have you back on again. Come back. That'd be fun. Sure. I'd come back. All right. You can stand my yakking all the time. <laughs> great. Awesome. It's the ADHD. It goes everywhere. <laughs> so this is a pleasure. I'll put the links to your site in the notes of this episode. We'll do it again. And awesome. And uh, just hang on for a moment while I play the yep. outro. Okay. Listen to today.